Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. Hey, everybody. We just got news that Fantasy Island is not going to get a season three. Yes, we got the call about 10 minutes ago, so we're still in our feelings. Um, But thank you so much for watching the show. And the finale is on Hulu, so don't miss it. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in Ojai, right outside of LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, we're going to talk to the amazing Nicole Yorkin about the ongoing WGA strike. Nicole is a TV writer and showrunner and a member of the WGA Negotiating Committee. Then in Craft and Fane, we'll reveal how we've decided to approach writing our novel. Finally, this week's Hollywood hack makes going out with friends a lot easier, and Liz has a book recommendation. Sarah, before we dive in, a couple of reminders. My sister Gretchen Rubin's book, Life in Five Senses, is out. It is fantastic. Everyone should get it. And it's a great Mother's Day gift or Father's Day gift. Oh, it is. And then, very importantly... The season finale of Fantasy Island was this week. Yes. It was on Monday night. If you missed it, you can catch up on Hulu. It really wraps up the season in the most beautiful way. So don't miss it. Do not miss it. Okay, Sarah, it is time for From the Treadmill Desk of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week... Not a surprise. (laughs) It is the WGA strike. Yes. Our union, the WGA, is on strike. And we're so lucky because we have one of our favorite TV writer showrunners here to discuss it with us. Nicole Yorkin with partner Don Prestwich has worked as a creator showrunner for more than 25 years, including most recently Hit and Run for Netflix and Z on Amazon. They were writer, executive producers on AMC, Netflix's The Killing, as well as writer, showrunners of The Riches on FX. Other credits include Brotherhood, Carnival, and Battlestar Galactica. In 2003, York and Impresswitch won a WGA award for their pilot, The Education of Max Bickford. Liz, I remember that pilot so well. That was such a great pilot. 
Well, I remember it too because we watched it and they became our immediate idols, Don and Nicole, and we have known them for many years and we've modeled ourselves after them. And they have always been so incredibly generous with their time and their wisdom. And today is no exception. Nicole is joining us to answer all of our strike questions. Nicole, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Liz. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's just dive into the question of the day. What are the main issues, Nicole, that we are striking over? Well, I think in the big picture, it's about a group of large corporations that are making more money than they ever have before, who can afford to pay their CEOs millions and millions of dollars every year in salary, but are paying us less money than we've ever gotten before for doing what we do, which is writing television and films. And I know we feel that. I mean, we very much on a day-to-day basis feel like, oh, we're making less than we made 15 years ago, even though we've gone up the ladder. Right. And it's not like you're working any less, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. You're working just as hard as ever, maybe even harder. And... You know, the money's just not catching up. A lot of it is because the the business has changed so dramatically over the last 10 or 15 years. So a lot of people are calling this strike existential because the key issues are so important. Can you explain kind of how the changes in the industry have screwed all creatives, but writers in general (laughs) specifically, I mean? Well, I think uh, the streamers have come into play over the last 10 years, and they didn't exist, obviously, before this. And I know probably the three of us probably grew up in in network TV, which was sort of a guaranteed, uh, you'd work 9, 10, 11 months a year, you'd make 22 episodes, you'd have writers who are in the writer's room, and then they'd be on set and produce their episodes, and then they might be in post-production. And now we have a situation where we have all these streaming companies like Netflix and Amazon, and they're doing shorter orders, like maybe they're ordering 10 or 12 episodes at the most. And sometimes uh, they have very short rooms, so you're not in the room able to create shows for very long. And then writers are just cut off, and the only ones who go on to do um, actually production and post-production is often the showrunners. And so the showrunners are left carrying the bag. And meanwhile, everybody's getting a whole lot less money for that. And, you know, I would say that writers in comedy and variety who do late night TV and um, shows like that on streamers, they don't even have guaranteed minimums. So a studio Mm. or, or a streamer can choose to pay them whatever they want, more or less. They don't have writer's guild minimums, so they have no protections. And then on the screenwriting side, um, it's just been awful for screenwriters because um, they don't get a second step. So they write something, they have to rewrite it numerous times for a producer for no money, which is called free work, before they even turn it into their studio. And then they might get cut off and replaced with another writer. So there's no guarantees for them either. Yeah, the free work is a huge issue. On the TV side, too, we've talked a lot on the podcast about how people will work for months and months only to discover that the 
production company has had another writer also doing a pitch. They didn't even know they were in like a so-called bake-off until after the fact. I mean, that happened to us. Wow. On a show that we were, someone asked us to run a show. And so we sort of came in with our take and then they're like, oh, we went with the other person. We're like, what other person? We were, you know, anyway, we've all been there. Well, and if it's happening at your level, you could imagine for writers who are less experienced and have uh, been in the business less, how awful it is for them. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, that has led us to take, we took a strike vote, which you probably talked about, and 98% of our members were in agreement that this is what we needed to do. Yeah. And that's why we're all out on the picket lines now. Well, to the point of that incredible 98% vote, one way this strike seems different from the 2007-2008 strike, which went for 100 days, is that we're feeling that we have a lot more support, not only from the other unions, but from our reps, our agents and managers, And then also within the Guild, we have so much unity. What impact do you think that's going to have on this strike? Well, I think it actually already has had an impact. We had a meeting last week at the Shrine Auditorium with thousands of writers. And we actually, for the first time, had entertainment labor come out to support us. So we had the Teamsters, we had IATSE. These are the unions that represent all the people who work on our shows. We had the laborers and then obviously SAG-AFTRA and Directors Guild. And because of that unity, we can take that and use it to our advantage. And so even a few days ago, we were able to, uh, we, the, the Writers Guild, with the help of some of our fellow sister unions, were able to shut down production on uh, a few TV shows. So one was um, a Maya Rudolph show called Loot. And this was just writers picketing in front of a location and Teamsters wouldn't cross the line. And so they weren't able to continue shooting. Yeah. And that really hurts them. I, you know, that's because shooting is incredibly expensive. I mean, that's what, $150,000 a day down the drain when production shuts down. You know, it it really is. And, uh, you know, we have so much support from other unions, like you said. So what we heard was that Maya Rudolph heard that the Writers Guild was outside and wouldn't come out of her trailer because she wanted to support our efforts, you know, and probably heard that Stranger Things and Hacks, those two TV shows, decided to push production till after the strike, which is good because it shows we're we're having an impact already. Yes. We want to cause them pain. Yes, and writers are showing up at studio gates at 4.30 in the morning to keep trucks from going in. And the Teamsters are honoring that. It's so great. That support is so important. Yeah, and and last time, I don't think we really had that. And no, I think one thing that's interesting is the head of the Teamsters union now is a woman, Lindsay Doherty. And maybe that has something to do with, Mm. I mean, I like to think... uh, She's sort of shaking up the old boys network. Absolutely. She's my new hero. She's like a total badass. I love, she once said like. She is. About the studios, they said something and she was like, well, I think that's bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. And she, when she came up on stage, she looked at our chief negotiator, Ellen Stutzman, and she said, and look at this bad bitch. she's, (laughs) she's, She's pretty funny. Yeah, so hopefully, you know, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make it painful 
for the studios and networks and shut down the stream of product, you know? So they feel pain and they have to come back and negotiate with us on a real basis. So it's interesting because Liz has been saying for a long time that this is really a studio lockout. And I just read this article in Variety about Judd Apatow, who said basically the same thing, that the studios know how to end this and they're choosing not to. And they probably have exactly what they're going to do at some point in the future already planned. What do you think about that? You know, I'm not sure. I think you and Judd Apatow are really smart, Liz. So (laughs) (laughs) maybe you're right. I think... um, There were certain issues that they just refused to engage on with us when we were in negotiations with the AMPTP. One of them was AI. And when we started this whole thing, you know, AI had suddenly become an issue and we we had a committee at the Writers Guild that looked into it and we became convinced it was important, but we didn't know just how important it was until they refused to talk to us about it. Mm. They basically said, It was preempting the development of technology their companies may be able to take advantage of in the future. And that sort of sent chills down our backs because we thought, oh, so that's maybe their end game. You know, I think Billy Ray, uh, who's a, a writer and director, talked about how maybe their end goal is two writers in a room with an AI machine. You know, and the AI machine will be spitting out scripts that then writers will actually rewrite. And that's maybe what their goal is. And obviously, we can't have that. Yeah. That's if if this strike accomplishes that not happening, then it will have been more than worth the sacrifices that everybody is making. Exactly. I, I agree. Now, Nicole, so recently in the last few years, the Guild did the agency action, right, where we basically broke up with our agents in order to end packaging and realign our representatives' interests with ours. Exactly. And the way we ended up resolving that was a divide and conquer resolution. We Mm -hmm. would work with each individual agency and eventually we prevailed. Right. So do you think there's any chance for this strike that we may have the same approach? In other words, we would do a deal with Warner Brothers, but not with Netflix, that kind of thing. Well, I think the division that we've sort of felt in the room, although we couldn't we couldn't actually pinpoint it specifically, was that you have the streamers, Amazon, Netflix, Apple, and then you have the legacy companies like Warner Brothers and, you know, Sony and all those those companies that have been there for a while. And we don't know how that's going to play out because it does seem like they might have different interests. But the problem with negotiating separately, just on a union basis, is that it will be hard for some members to see other members working mm. while they're still out on the picket lines. Yes. So I'm not sure that the AMPTP will actually want to do it individually like that, but I think, you know, it also might be hard for unity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, down that's the line. a really good point. Mm-hmm. Because oh. the unity does, I mean, it, it as people go longer and longer without working, it becomes harder yes. and harder on our side as well. It's harder for yeah. them and harder for us. really does. No, I mean, the good thing about, if, if you can say there's a good thing about what's happening now is that if you go out on these picket lines, you do see so, mu- so much unity 
you have a chance to meet up with friends you worked with a long time ago or haven't yes. seen in forever. And there's a lot of good spirit on the line. But, you know, it is only week two. So we probably have, you know, a longer road to run <laughs> for this thing. It's interesting because the studios, I don't think, quite understand that they've created a situation where we are already used to not working for long periods of time and for making little or no money for long periods of time. So frankly, being on strike doesn't feel that different this month than last month where we were doing exactly the same thing, but without picketing. So I feel like writers are really ready for a long strike, which sucks, but for literally the entire town and the economy of Southern California... But it's just, it's so important. Do you have a sense of how long this could go on? I think we know that the Directors Guild starts negotiating with the AMPTP on the 10th, and their contract runs out June 30th. So I think it will at least go through June 30th. But if the past is any indication, you know, last time it was 100 days, like you said, and the time before that, it was five months. So my best guess would be sometime between 100 days and five months, and hopefully, you know, on the shorter side. But it depends how much pain we can cause these companies. Right. Yeah. And Nicole, what do you think about the DGA starting their negotiations? Do you think that's good for us, bad for us, neutral? I know the DGA and WGA are more aligned than they've ever been. They are. This is something they they have done before. This is something they did in 2007 during the strike. They they came in actually while we were on strike and made a deal with the AMPTP. This time, the feeling is it might be a little harder for them to make a deal, that they're going to face some of the same problems we faced when we looked across the table at the AMPTP, and uh, that it won't be quite as conciliatory as it has been in the past. So I think the harder it is for the DGA, maybe the better it is for us because it increases all of our, our unity. You know, So we'll see what happens. <laughs> Nicole, a lot of people have been asking us what they can do to support the WGA and support the strike. What What's the answer to that? We're like, uh, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if they're in Los Angeles, they could come out and join the picket line. Everyone is welcome. And it's sort of a great experience, I think, for someone to go out there and walk with us. And, you know, sometimes there's music. There was mariachi band the other day at one of the uh, picket locations. Mm -hmm. There's lots of free food, donuts and bagels. (laughs) Yeah, thank God we're walking so we can get some steps in while we're eating bagels and stuff. But there's also something called the Entertainment Community Fund. And that is, and I think they can find that online. And uh, that is a fund that is raising money for people in all sectors of the entertainment business. And we as writers, I think we raised already $1.6 million for people who are below the line. So that's our crew members and other people who might be affected during a strike. But anyone can apply, anyone who's in the industry can apply to this entertainment community fund and get a loan. And so if somebody wanted to donate money to help all of us, that's a good place to do it. Yes, the Entertainment Community Fund. I'll yes. just say the name again. Yeah. One thing Thank I've you. noticed is that writers are making T-shirts, and I just bought a dog t- a little shirt for my dog yesterday that says, like, I 
WAG with the WGA or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love and that. And the proceeds are going straight to the entertainment community fund. Yes. So that's something also that people could do is get a yeah. T-shirt or get specifically from those those people and places that are donating to the fund. Exactly. And then we've had lots of local restaurants who have been offering a discount to striking writers, some bars, same thing. So if we can walk the picket line and then have a drink. Yeah. <laughs> and relax <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, so. it it's it's interesting because picketing is so many things, right? It's fun at times, it's yeah. stressful, it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. The strike I think is taking a toll on the whole town mentally and physically. But it, it is what it is. It's what we're living through. Exactly. And Nicole, we just want to thank you and everyone on the negotiating committee and the WGA board. I mean, it's an enormous responsibility and a huge commitment of time, of your energy. It really is a, a crossroads. And as we said, it's an existential moment. It is. And we just thank all of you for what you're doing for all of us. Uh, Well, thank you. And you're very welcome. And I will say that we have the best members in the world, smart, supportive, involved, and, you know, can't do it without all of us. So thank you both. WGA strong. Yes. Yes. Thanks, Nicole. (laughs) Thank you, Sarah and Liz. Next up, we'll discuss how our novel writing is going. But first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. I don't know about you, but we're always looking for ways to get our kids involved and give back in our local community. That's why we're excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. I would love for Violet to do this program when she's in high school. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, it's also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. 
Okay, Liz, it's time for The Craft and Fane, in which we discuss the craft of writing, because although it is an art, it is also a craft. And today we are going to talk about how we have been approaching writing our novel. Yes. So we've talked a lot about our novel, which is a thriller. For anybody who hasn't heard, it's about three female friends who are recent empty nesters who decide to go to Peru to do ayahuasca, and things happen. And we have been saying we want to write this novel, and it's always been our plan that we would really get serious, quote unquote, yes. if a strike happened. That we wanted to do it no matter what, but if a strike happened, then that was going to become, you know, our primary thing we were doing. And unfortunately, a strike did happen. A strike has happened. And so the time has come for us to get down to business. So then we had to decide, okay, well, what does that mean, getting down to business? Yes. So we discussed many ways to approach it. Like, do we agree to do a certain amount of writing by a certain date? Do we, you know, how are we going to, like, break this down? And ultimately, we have decided that we are each going to write 500 words a day, five days a week. So 500 words a day, five days a week. That's 5,000 words a week. Yes. Now, that's unless we decide for whatever reason on a certain day we're not doing 500 words. Maybe we need to talk about what we're doing next or— right. Or read and do notes. Yes. There may be other things. But that's our overall goal. And the great thing about it is it's doable. I know people who write 8,000 words a day. Oh, my God. But, you know— we just decided let's do something that we can do, that it's hard to say, well, I couldn't do that. We can manage 500 words a day, and we are making forward progress. I mean, if you do a— We really uh, are. 500 words a day, it adds up. And one thing we're thinking, Sarah, is that as we get deeper into it and the pages accumulate and we're sort of in a flow— we may up the number of words a day. Right. Maybe we'll each do 1,000, and that'll go faster. I was thinking 750, but okay. Okay. Well, we'd go 750 first, and then 1,000 yeah. okay. if that panned out. <laughs> but what I like about it is that I feel like, because I still have a lot of kind of internal terror over the whole thing, yeah. I can just dip in and do my yeah. 500 words and then jump out. You know what I mean? And I'm kind of mentally... Uh, building stamina just for writing in this way, which is yeah. different from the way we usually write. Very different. It's funny, though, because, you know, I think back to when you were in your 20s, and you would literally just sit and write nonstop for days on end and, like, take a break to watch reality TV or something. But it was like you would just write, 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 write. Yes, yeah, Sarah, one time... I was living for a summer in Portland, and it was the summer of the O.J. Simpson trial, and I got very caught up in it, and I had a book due because I used to write young adult books for a living, and I ended up writing a book in nine days, sitting on this mattress in a room, and it was one of the most bizarre, surreal experiences of my life. Um, but I've never had the stomach to go back and read the book because I'm sure it's not great. <laughs> did you eat? Like, did you shower? Yes. How did you do this? <laughs> I just, you know what? I wrote a lot. 
And that's the thing. Once you're into a book and the characters, and you know the characters, you can write a lot faster. Yes. Yeah. And so what I'm hoping is once you and I have all of our voices established, once we're in a flow, that we can pick up our pace. Yeah. But even if we don't, that's okay because we're moving forward. And there's no date this is due. It's just that we would like to get it done in a reasonable amount of time. It's funny because if we say, well, probably the strike will be 100 days, I guess you could say we have 100 days. Yes, sadly. I think it'll be more. So, but 100 days is a good goal. Yes, because then there's the rewriting. Oh my. <laughs> there's another 100 days. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next up, Liz has a hack that will make traveling with friends or family or doing anything with them so much easier. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, it's time for the Hollywood hack. And this week, it's an app called TriCount. Okay, that's T-R-I-C-O-U-N-T. Okay. This is a way for people to share expenses. And there are many of these apps out there. This one, though, is so great, Sarah. I want everyone to know about it. So everybody enters his or her expenses. Uh Let's say you're on a group trip okay, with friends or family, then TriCount calculates the balance of each participant and proposes the best way to settle up between group members. So what's great is that it's not like, oh, you paid for dinner, so everybody pays Sarah this, and I paid for breakfast, so everybody pays me this. You keep a running tab as you go, and then at the end, you say, TriCount, please settle up, or whatever it is, And then it tells each person who to pay. So maybe I'd only have to pay you and somebody else is paying someone else so that it's efficient. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And can I tell you another great feature of TriCount? So let's say you're in a you're a family, a big family reunion vacation type of thing, and a group of you decides we're gonna go rafting today. Well, the person who pays for it can put in the amount they paid and then only click on the people who went. Oh, my God. So everybody who's on the trip or at the dinner or whatever the event is logs in. You make a list, but you only include the people who were at that particular event in the payment. So that's part of what TriCount calculates. It is so easy. And then at the end, you can either use PayPal or You can just Venmo someone. You see, okay, I owe Sarah $140. I could just Venmo you $140 or give you cash or however people want to do it. But the key is that it tells you the amount you owe in an efficient way. Oh, my gosh. Okay, if there's anyone like me who gets just completely 
overwhelmed, anxiety, sweaty, oh my God, what am I going to do? How do we figure this out whenever math comes in? Like this kind of balancing out of expenses between a group of people is literally my worst nightmare. It's I dream about the nightmare of it (laughs) when I sleep. It's terrible. So, I mean, TriCount is amazing. I'm downloading this. It's it's literally the second we're done. No, it's great, Sarah. And I just want to say this is not an ad. <laughs> I simply found out about this app and think it is one of those things that can totally transform an experience and make it just so much easier and simpler. Yes. So that is TriCount. I love it. I'm sold. Okay. Well, finally, Sarah, every week we recommend a book, a movie, a podcast, or whatever we want to recommend. Um, And it doesn't have to be something new, just something we love. And this week, I want to recommend a book called Unscripted, The Epic Battle for a Media Empire and the Redstone Family Legacy by James B. Stewart and Rachel Abrams. Now, What this is, is it's a fascinating look at Sumner Redstone, Sherry Redstone, and Les Moonves, and talks about Paramount, CBS Viacom, and other players that surrounded the Redstone family. And it is what I would call a truly jaw-dropping tale. Yes. And you were so uh, just obsessed with it and couldn't stop listening to it that I was like, okay, I guess I have to listen to it. So, but this is not usually the kind of book that I like. I was like, oh God, okay, I'll try. And it took me a day and a half to listen to the whole book. I could not stop. It is mind boggling. Yeah, it really is. So again, that's called Unscripted. Um, If you're interested in the entertainment business or you love succession, (laughs) I think you will be very interested in this book. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love hearing from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please follow us if you haven't already. Thank you so much to our guest, Nicole Yorkin. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at S. Fain, and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Liz, my kitchen is overflowing with eggs right now. Like, I cannot keep up with how many eggs my chickens are laying. Maybe uh, maybe you can take your eggs to the picket line and I put them should. out. I should. Oh, I got little, like, um, half-dozen egg containers and a stamp that says Fane Family Farm, which is just, like, hilarious, of course. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, but how I cute is that? I should bring fresh eggs. <laughs> eggs for picketers. Yes. From the Onward Project.